monsters. They exist among us, and sometimes they win. Even the devil was an angel once. The world has its own rules, and these rules are not human. Some of us seek answers to the origin and existence of cryptids and the unexplained. Join us as we venture beyond the known and accepted boundaries. Welcome to our nightmare. I think you're going to like it. Folks, good evening and welcome to another excuse me. Good evening and welcome to another episode of Families of Monsters Radio, where we explore the strange and the unexplained. I'm your host, Lon Stricker. Thanks for joining us. Uh, now, if you enjoy our content, please subscribe, like, and share our presentations. Uh, please feel free to comment as well. Uh, Super chats active during the show. Uh, so please show your support for Fans of Monsters Radio by clicking the dollar icon underneath the chat. You can also support the channel by using the Buy Me a Coffee link or banner. So uh, your consideration is very much needed and appreciated. Now tonight, this episode of Fans of Monsters Radio, we present paranormal experiencer Alice Jackson and investigator John Bullard. The, uh, the documentary film, The House in Between, and the subsequent follow-up release detailed Alice's personal ordeal in which her uh, Mississippi dream home turned into a nightmare after a life-changing supernatural incident. Uh, Alice refused to spend another night in her house unless someone proved to her that what she had experienced had natural explanation to it. So uh, paranormal investigator John Bowler was part of the initial team that started looking for answers. Uh, after many years, director Steve Consalves and uh, Kendall Welton headed to Mississippi with their camera crew to document the real-life uh, effects of a homeowner's mission to get her house back from this terrifying nightmare. Now, the, the approach was much like a detective chasing down leads and connecting the dots. Uh, with no stone left unturned mindset, utilizing real scientific data via uh, physicists, field experts, and deep, ac accurate research. The, uh, the filmmakers were also adamant about the film crew being very experienced in the field of paranormal research because of the sensitive nature of this case. The uh, directors hand-selected each film crew member, not only for their respective production expertise, but also for their dedication to the documentation of a real paranormal research. And Vincent's going to be joining me tonight. He kind of put this all together, so he's going to be helping me as a co-host this evening. And, you know, and look, look forward to Vincent's show on uh, Fans of Monsters Radio as well. So, uh, so Alice and John, thanks for coming in. We're delighted. I'm delighted to be here. Let me ask you, Alice, mm -hmm. kind of give us a thumbnail of how all this started. How you, you know, you built the house, uh, you were on the property and when did things start going haywire? I mean, when did you start noticing things? When we were building the house, the things that were, the building supplies would come up missing. And I remember the uh, builders told us that we were going to have to start locking it up somewhere because uh, the things they needed were missing. And then in a day or two, they would come back. And I remember one time it was just a piece of wood, a cut piece of wood, which, you know, it, it seems hard to understand that, but it happened. And then one was a tape measure, I remember. And then a few days it would come back. And then when they built the house and they put the doors on the house, the doors would just slam, even with the deadbolts, you know, they, uh, they got manipulated, which they did get manipulated through the, through the years. But uh, anything electrical, they put the uh, doorbell in and it rang. And uh, we had objects that moved once the house got built, but we had objects that moved. I remember uh, a candle in particular that would be out of the uh, candle holder and it would just be all different places whenever we left and we'd come back and be in a different place. And then one day uh, I was talking to Ashley's grandmother down there and I was upstairs on the balcony from upstairs and we saw that the candle get up and just move over by the fireplace 
it didn't shoot out like under any kind of pressure. It didn't tipple over and roll. It just got up and moved over there. And so uh, we, we saw that. We saw how it moved, you know, with our own eyes. And, uh, but we didn't get cameras in there, you know, like for a really long time. Uh, uh, really, it was, at, it was, uh, oh my goodness, it was a long time, but uh, it was only, uh, it was only until all these weird light formations that started in 2011. Well, John mm -hmm. started, John started coming. He was the first person that came, you know, he came and he did his own thing and uh, he just was real quiet and he kept his own records and he was doing his own research and he, he really didn't even tell me everything. And I'm really glad he didn't because I would have been a scared. I would have been scared. I really, I would have, but, uh, but, uh, but after I had that light experience, I thought I'm not going to be able to stay here anymore. So I, I, you know, I just started looking for somebody to come and try to do something because I knew I wasn't going to be able to stay there. So John came and, uh, it was indirect. I didn't even know him, but through somebody else that I'd talked to. So he came and he started keeping, you know, keeping his own, uh, looking for his own evidence, writing it down. He sh I heard some EVPs. I remember I was just flabbergasted the first time I heard EVPs. I, I mean, it, I just, I mean, like it makes it real. Like, you know, some conscious presence is in that house talking and you can't see them. So it's real, it's real. You know, I, I just kind of got used to it gradually, really by stages. But after John came in later, Brad came, and together, uh, I think maybe John already had some light, some cameras up, but then, then they both have cameras up. So from that time on, we started documenting the evidence. And we've got, you know, tons of now. It involves uh, lights, light formations. We don't have as many of those as I would like because a lot of the light formations, some of them were before we got cameras, and sometimes they've been, like, on the floor or where the cameras don't reach. But we've had a light. We've had uh, noises. You know, it could be voices, uh, music. Uh, thump sounds sounds like some sounds like an intruder's in the house sometimes and there's nobody there. Uh, mm. uh, just lots of different noises and then things moving. So I would say lights, things moving, and voices. And the, and uh, people have also had some weird physical experiences, like especially uh, like on the beds. Uh, you feel like somebody's getting in the bed and the bed moves down, pushes down, something like that. And <clears throat> and I've had two people just had bizarre experiences. You know, like. Uh, one person just woke up. This was actually my grandson, but he's like, he's like 22. He didn't like any of this stuff. You know, he didn't like any of this stuff. He didn't stay there often. But I, he was screaming, and he woke me up at like 1.30. And so, uh, you know, I went up there, and he said, would you turn the light on? And I turned the light on, and he said, I think I heard muffled talking before, you know, before he screamed. But he said what happened was he felt like something had pushed through him and pushed the bed down beneath him, and so he lost his balance, and he just, you know, he, he screamed. And uh so then I didn't say too much, but I know he didn't like to talk about it. But the next day I said, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? And I said, do you think, uh, he said, do you think I was dreaming? He said, it was not a dream. He said, I wasn't even asleep. Uh, he said, I said, well, what do you think it is? And he said, it was something, something paranormal. I don't know what it was. And, um, and then I, um, I had another person that was spending the night up there. And he said that he, that he felt, he heard this hum, like, and it got higher and higher, like higher pitch. And he said his body vibrated with it. And he said he, he was a policeman, by the way. But he said that he uh, thought he was having a stroke. He said he totally thought he was having a stroke. And then he said he felt this cold blanket of air pass over him, and it was fine after that was gone. I mean, just weird stuff. You know, that's that's only you know individual things. We don't have a bunch of. But I started writing. I gave the paper to them to break those things down. And Kendall said I should have a like a video recorder and let people video you know what they what they felt and everything, but uh, I'm not too good with cameras and that kind of stuff. And uh, but they, I've got got it written out experiences. We've had a lot of just so many so many different experiences of different kinds. So um, so John, how did you get involved with this? When did you find out about it, and when did you decide to start documenting it? Yeah, so uh, I started doing. Uh paranormal research uh 2008 is when i started kind of getting into the paranormal from experiences i had as a child mm -hmm. uh and tr traditionally i would do historical places i would travel around the country and investigate i love history trying to track down folklore from fact and then go in and kind of do a uh, a full investigation we like silent audio trying to capture evps and this that, and the other um so i didn't do a lot of private resident investigations uh the two people who investigated with me at the time when i first started uh we actually did a couple private residence investigations early on we had some really bad experiences uh like one was a single mother uh who had two kids and we went to her house and we had a questionnaire we would ask this person or the, whoever we we're working with questions 
same question, but we'll ask it in different various ways to see if their story changes right. To kind of vet people before we go, because you know a lot of people think their house is haunted, but it's not, uh, and mm-hmm. some people are crazy. <laughs> you know. <That's- laughs> so anyway, but we went to this lady's house, and you know, walking in the house, um, it was one of the nastiest houses that I've ever seen. I should have called child services. It was a bad experience. So I say that to tell you that that's not what I wanted to do. Right. Selfishly, I wanted to investigate to collect evidence to validate what I experienced as a child. That's why I started investigating. Uh, but a friend of a friend reached out to me and said, hey, this lady uh, says her house is haunted. And at the time, Alice didn't live that far away from me. So I was like, let's take a chance. Let's go meet Alice. <clears throat> and just meeting Alice for the first time, she's one of the most genuine people that you'll ever meet. I could tell that she was truly scared and confused at what was happening in her house. And uh, I didn't tell her this for, for years, but when I sat down on the couch with her in the house for the first time, I actually had an experience for the first, I think it was the first 30 minutes we were in the house. I saw what looked like a shadow figure or a mask move up the stairwell, which reminded me of what I saw when I was a child. I'm definitely not a medium. I don't have that skill set. However, what got me into the paranormal is uh, I would see shadow figures as a child. I would hear voices. Uh, And there's an example of that in the house in between the first one. Uh, When I was younger, I had the Justin Bieber uh, swoosh haircut, but Uh, We were testing out a camera in a cemetery, and I hear somebody whisper, and I react, but the other people around me don't react. So that's kind of what got me into the field. But meeting Alice for the first time, I could tell that she just wanted to understand what was happening. I had an experience that piqued my interest. And then doing the first initial investigation in the house, we we captured some audio. Uh, We had a door move. So I knew that the house was different. And it's crazy because I have a short attention span, but this house has kept me locked in for you know over a decade now um and it's one of those things where alice's house is unique because again it's a 1990s house it's not your typical victorian mansion right um it's a beautiful house but it's the most active or consistently active location that i've ever experienced in my entire life and i've investigated some really cool places all over the united states i've been to jamaica to do some investigations I consider myself a semi-versed, well-versed, traveled paranormal investigator, but mm-hmm. Alice's home is the most consistent location. And, and putting so much energy in the house with myself, Brad, Amy, uh, and Alice herself now, which has accidentally become kind of an investigator herself to try to figure out what's happening in her home, you know, it's like we've built some kind of weird connection with the entities that are in the house. And we do believe that there's two definitely dominant spirits there. There's a male and a female, and we've been able to capture their vocal tones, EVPs, uh, same vocal tones with a male and a female throughout the years. Um, and as you watch, if you watch the house in between and the house in, in, in between too, you'll see that it's like we're almost teaching the spirits. It's like we're focusing on objects and specifically just one thing, and we're getting a reaction out of it. So as an investigator, what's interesting to me is, you know, before I met Alice, I like to hit as many places as I can. I go mm-hmm. investigate. It's awesome. I check it off my list and I move on. But being so invested in one location for so long and, and Alice being so generous to let us use her house as a paranormal laboratory, it's interesting to see what we can do to kind of build a relationship. If there's conscious energy and there's intelligent spirits at this house on this land, mm-hmm. I know it sounds crazy, but I feel like they know they know Alice, obviously. And I feel like they they built a relationship with myself as well. They because do. whenever you know, whenever we have tours and, and, and have people come in the house, we always tell people, look, we can't make things happen. I can't tell you that at eleven o'clock tonight we're gonna have a full body apparition coming down the stairs. However, I never feel pressure at the house. I want people to experience what I've experienced. I let the house do its natural thing and we've captured some incredible stuff along the way. You know, uh, I talked to Alice a bit before you came on, and I was telling her I'm an intuitive, and um, I've done a lot of cases. I've been doing this for about 45 years now, and um, I've been involved with some some pretty bad hauntings in the past, too. But I tell you, the one thing about this film that kind of interested and grabbed my attention was, and I told Vincent about this as I was watching it, was I could tell that even though it's something I don't necessarily do, you guys that were in there were adding energy to the house. And you could kind of sense that. 
But, and I don't know if this ever came up in the investigation, but I did tell Vincent I sensed uh, slave children being buried in an area near there. Now, does that sound familiar to you? I think it's possible. I I mean, I think it's possible. I know for a fact that there were uh, uh, slave houses on that property. That piece of land, we just found this, but on that land uh, was farmland. We found farm equipment and stuff like that. But they also had some slave houses. And at one time, uh, that one time there was a tornado that went through and it, it, it killed lots of people. And uh, so, well, that is, it's, you know, we looked at it in the history, history of the town, you know, when you counted the people on the land and, you know, it's kind of unpleasant, but they counted the property on the land. And, and then the next year there were a whole a lot fewer, you know, fewer people because of the, it said natural a disaster or something like that. It was a tornado. So there was also you know, a couple of fires, weren't there? Yeah, the house has been, I mean, the, the town yeah. has, has been at least twice totally burned. It was kind of funny. Yeah. You saw it in the paper. It said the town was demolished by fire, you know, $60,000 worth of damage. Because <laughs> it, so, it was such a small town, you know, back then that was, I guess. But that's a, but yeah, it had, there have been several fires. There is it, an amazing history of Florence. I mean, I have gone back after I saw it saw the films and looked at it and it is it's a very interesting history um there's a lot of energy associated with the past there uh you know i live near gettysburg so Uh, i you know i have been i have been attracted to gettysburg all my life basically even though i did move away for a long time but it's still attract i I still am attracted there and uh, i've had some experiences there as well but there are locations because of the past that really leave an imprint on the land. And many times there is some real energy there from the people who used to live there. And uh, I, I felt that with in your case, there's something definitely there. You know, Bernadette, who is usually the host, one of the hosts on the show, is in the chat right now. She said, do you feel the house has become its own entity and take them on a life of its own, aside from the spirits. I do. I, I, I yeah. really do. I don't know what else to say, but I feel, I feel like it's conscious. In fact, you know, I worked at a Catholic hospital as a nurse for years and years, and I made friends with a Catholic nun, and she came over to the house, and she stayed a couple nights, and she came to various events that John was doing. And um, she said, I know that there, there's a conscious, I know there are conscious presences in the house. She said, I just don't know how to reconcile it with my Catholic beliefs. And she said, what do you think? Is it purgatory? And I thought, I have no idea. But mm. the house is conscious. You know, that's interesting you mentioned that because a few of the worst hauntings and, and um, uh, attachments with clients I've had in the past or with women who have worked in nursing homes and in hospitals and in hospice care. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't know why it is. I, I, I well, I'm, I'm sure it sure has to do with attachments from their, right. their, their look, you know, where they work at and they come mm-hmm. home with them or, uh, but they're, they're very open to that type of energy. I, I I'm quite sure that in your case it is, I told you earlier that when I first saw Ashley, uh, on the the second this, on the second installment, uh, I just had a, a I just had this real sense that she was in the beacon. She attracted spirit energy in life, and then when I found out she had passed, I I, I knew she was part of what's going on there now. It, it was really evident. Um, what do you so, think? Uh, what do you think? The, the, I mean, I, you know, I don't know too much about that, but I mean, I agree that a lot of blood experiences happened when she was around. But uh, what do you think the purpose was? I mean, are we there for, for some particular purpose, or did I mean, well, you know, are we we just accidentally? I I don't know. I don't know if it's a territorial thing, if it's an earthbound spirit that feels that they need to protect something that they used to have when they were when they were alive. Um, At Evernorth Health Services. We believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. 
pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I don't know. It, it, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different reasons as to why uh, these earthbound energies act up. Um, a lot of times they don't even know they're dead. I mean, let mm-hmm. alone, you know, if they do feel like they're attached to the land, then uh, maybe they have a secret of something that they're trying to hide and they don't want you to find out about it. Yeah, we've had several mediums uh, say there is something, something there. That, yeah. That, mm-hmm. And I don't have any uh, any weird experiences anywhere else. You know, no place else where I go spend the night, no hotels. No, really? Yeah, no. I've yeah, and, we, and we've had, we've had uh, several mediums throughout the, the years from obviously different places that didn't know each other. But it's interesting to see the pieces of the stories that mesh with the different people who come in who have the ability of that. But it's like a spirit hotel is one of the most common things we've been told that Alice's house is that spirits and energies come and go. And it kind of makes sense because that's what's kept me attracted to the house for so long. Yes. I feel like there's a male and a female female spirit that's attached to the land that's always there, but it's almost like there's a revolving door. Because every time we go in her house, the energy is a little bit different. We've captured some really, really unique, dominant voices. Sometimes I've been scared in her house, very rarely, but then sometimes it's very mellow and calm. So it's literally when you when you turn that doorknob and walk in the house, it's almost like you don't know what you're walking into. You know, it's like if you live with a bipolar person, <laughs> it's like Dr. Jekyll, Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde or whatever. But the house is always evolving, and that's why definitely for me as an investigator – yeah, I mean, it's kept my interest for over a decade. Yeah, you know, one thing I find very interesting about all this is um, this isn't a situation where there's dysfunction with the actual people who are experiencing the haunting or there's some type of other issue. Uh, this is something that was organic. It just showed up for whatever reason. And uh, it's something that had to have been attached to the land and it's just raising its ugly head and showing itself. And like you said, that being a revolving door, I have seen that many times. Uh, now, you know, there could be a reason for that. But, of course, I believe that these earth, these earthbound energies do attract other, other energy. And uh, you're right. That may be like a concentrating point, concentration point for these things. Um, you know, I was kind of, I was very intrigued by the, the two psychics that you had on, on the, um, on the presentation, uh, and they became very emotional, which was very realistic to me because I, I get emotional too some, at some point when I'm, you know, doing an investigation that does happen. Uh, but by seeing the way they responded, the way they immediately went to locations, uh, like, in the backyard and, and felt certain things that were there. Uh, then the scientific aspects of it, having the cadaver dogs mm-hmm. come in there and, and sensing the energy in the trees from, you know, that that's all real. I, I really responded to that. So I got to give everybody credit uh, for, for doing that, for showing all aspects of uh, evidence gathering and, uh, you know, I don't know if you really came up with assumptions what was really going on, but I, I think you really left uh, some good interpretation aspects to where people can really make their own mind up as to what is going on. Yeah, we always say Alice's house is like a huge puzzle. You know, the pieces are scattered and we're just one by one putting the pieces together, but there's still a whole lot that we don't know. Right. And Sam was Sam was great uh, on the house in between part two and Jill was from the first and the, and the second one. And Jill is incredible. Just and I love that she sketches, you know, she drew some walking sticks before she got there. And, you know, Steve uh, from Ghost Hunters, he's a skeptic. He 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 was a little bit about bringing a medium in. But, you know, Alice wanted it and we wanted it and. He wanted mm-hmm. to kind of go full throttle because he was doing the scientific side. So he's mm-hmm. like, let's bring a medium in. But his only stipulation was, I'll pick them. They're not going to be anywhere near from Mississippi. They're not going to know what they're doing, where they're going. So he brought her in, picked her up from the airport, drove her straight there. 
but it was neat to look at her sketches already and she sketched the walking sticks which uh, uh, alice collects walking sticks and she also drew the door which you saw at the end of the uh, first house in between was a very relevant door and one of my favorite things about the house in between i got chills when i watched it and this is just me i've been in the house for over a decade and this has never happened they were interviewing jill and they were talking about the town burning and then the smoke detector started alarming. Yeah, and then exactly. it kept going off. Yeah. The first time I saw that footage, I was just like, it was just cold chills down my body. I was like, that is insane. Uh, so she's she's really incredible, and I'm glad that you know we we really did. They, they Steve, Kendall, Vera, all of them just they are the brains behind it. But bringing the cadaver dogs in, and you know doing the ground penetrating radar, and really checking off all those natural boxes, and kind of meshing everything together. It, it was a beautiful thing to see. It really was. Yeah. You know, I think at some point, uh, and I don't know how much investigating you're going to continue doing in the house. I'm quite sure you are. Uh, I, I think something will come together one day. I really do. I think I yeah. think something will happen. The, the light bulbs will go off, and then you'll start putting it together. Uh, have you ever... Have you ever thought about having a remote viewer come in? We we actually did that. We did that one time. It was really interesting okay. with Darren Dita. You know, uh, I can't remember. You know, you know, I don't really watch much television, but I can't remember. You know, wh where he's working now. But he used to. Uh, uh, he used to be in Jackson, Mississippi, mm -hmm. and he was the first person uh, that ever did a, a televised investigation. You know, so so that's real interesting. You can still see that on YouTube. Uh, John, you know what station he's on there, indeed, or wherever, whatever he was on that time he interviewed us. But he had been, he knew us in Jackson, and he came. And so I remember when he first came out, you know, it's the first televised thing, and I was real uh, nervous because I, because the house was quiet that day. It had been quiet two or three days, and I thought, this is going to be so embarrassing if, you know, if he agreed to come out and then be on televised and nothing happens. But that didn't happen. Well, they got five good, clear EVPs. And for some reason, they were all from movie lines, like, uh, here's Johnny, and let's ride. Yeah, <laughs> they're still the written version on YouTube. But anyway, and then uh, while he was talking to me, while he was literally talking to me with his own eyes, you know, not on the camera, he said, I just saw a ball of light go down and then go up the wall. And and that came out on the on the, the segment, the new segment, a little five-minute new segment. It came out on there. And then all their equipment went off. I mean, everything they brought went off in different rooms. And so uh, it was a two-part thing. And, the, you know, the question was, is this house haunted? And, of course, the conclusion was it's haunted. <laughs> Absolutely. Do <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you have anything, Vincent? Uh, I, I did one too for the uh, people that may have not seen both of the movies. How long have you been investigating the uh, house? Uh, well, let's say uh, from what, uh, 2009 or something like that. 2011 is when I got scared and left and we started hard and heavy investigating and all that. But John was there a little bit before that. So somewhere, you know, before. We just say over a decade. We just say over a decade. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's neat, too, because I was going to say, it's neat, you know, it's neat just, you know, with with all the things we've captured and, and you know, just it to really understand if you do paranormal, if you're an investigator, you kind of understand what we do. Because this is not as, as sexy as it seems on any TV show or any documentary right. you see. It, it's, it's a long process and it's a very slow burn. Um, and you know, just the chandelier that's a uh, part of the first film right. or the baseball that's part of the first film, you know, I was in the house like almost a year before I even realized the chandelier could do anything. I was doing an EVP session with the chandeliers where this poster is. And I was just asking questions. It was me and my invest, um, one of my investigators, Alice wasn't at the house. I said, do you miss Alice? Do you wish she was here? And all of a sudden all the lights were off in the house except for the chandelier. And I got a shock to the back of my neck. It felt like if you like touched like a bug zapper or something and it scared me. Um, I jumped out of the chair and landed on my knee and I didn't realize at the same time the chandelier had drained. So in my head, I'm like spinning. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so did they take the energy and shock me? And it's one of those things I always say you want it to happen again, but then you never want it to happen again, you know, <laughs> but then, but, but then we started thinking like, okay, well, can you replicate that? And that's kind of the birth of the chandelier. And then we started, you know, eventually down the road, we were like, okay, 
the first time I came in, like I told you, the first experience I had was a shadow figure up the stairs and we'd have the door move and stuff. So I knew the stairwell for some reason just felt like a hot bed of activity. So we started setting trigger objects up on the stairs. And one of the objects obviously was a baseball. We did it because the baseball's hard, round, and also it's got stitching on both sides. So to me in my head, if it moves, that gives me a focal point to see if it moves left or right. So I can kind of visualize and see what's happening, what's manipulating it. But that took six months and that doesn't sound like a long time. Think about it. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing ever again, expecting different results, <laughs> <laughs> except for the paranormal field. But, you know, and eventually, as you see in the house in between, luckily, crazily, one day it came off the stairs. You know, I'm like a kid on Christmas who's got a brand new shiny bike. But, you know, once it happened, it started happening ever again. So this has been a journey of like, you know, what else can we do? How close can we get to whoever's haunting this property? what conversation can we have? And if you watch the end of the house in between two, you'll see something that, that I've been focusing on for almost 10 months that we get a response from. So, and just like the, there's a doll in the house in between two as well. We're, we're, we're trying to push the boundaries of teaching the spirits, like showing the, everybody, we want to show the world that what's happening at Alice's house is real. And you know, how close can we reach out and touch uh the entities i know it sounds crazy but at the same time i always tell alice it, it's a coincidence until it's not alice do you think there's any malevolence in this um <laughs> in any of this uh these hauntings or any of this activity you know i get absolutely nothing like that i am startled sometimes because i'm not expecting something and uh you know I, you know i might scream or something but uh, but I don't feel any uh, evil intent at all. In fact, uh, the things that happen, you know, like I'll be there by myself and something will happen. Usually it's what John has asked to happen if it moves, you know, something. And it's like, I feel like maybe there's a delayed time until they can do it or something. And uh, so I might be, you know, I'm definitely more startled like by myself. If we were there and everybody was there, I would think it was real cool and I'd want everything to happen so everybody can sit. But if I'm by myself, it's a little nerve wracking. And especially at night, I mean, we can hear, we can hear all kinds of in the daytime and I'm fine with it you know I'll, I'll go look or I know that if I go look there's not gonna be anything there but at night you know it really is unnerving because I'm not sure it's not a person in the house and it and, and if it is I'm scared and if it's not I'm scared it's just a totally different feel at night but I don't I don't really think that they made me me any harm or anything I've never felt it like that just right just because I don't know what it is uh Bernadette wants to know what and I'm going to ask both of you because you've experienced things as well, John. What's the most frightening event that has happened in the house? Go, are you, go ahead, John. Yeah, I, go ahead, Alice. Oh, okay. Are you? Oh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, you, you get first, Alice. Lee, well, lead with your best foot. I, I tell you, the, the, the thing in the film, but the thing that just changed my whole life was, uh, you know, I had gotten in bed. I, I, I had to hurry and go to sleep because I had to get up early the next day. I'd work 16 hours and 16 the next day. And I, and I had just taken a shower, got in bed, and I was doing a meditation. And I was just uh, praying for the health of a person that I knew. And, and I knew it was just like one of those instant answered prayers. I knew it was okay. You know, I knew the person was going to be okay. And uh, so, but I was feeling just, you know, just happy, you know, blissful. And uh, so the room was very dark, but a light came on. And so, you know, I opened my eyes and, and there was a tunnel of light, you know, from the ceiling to the floor. It was about three feet in diameter and inside that tunnel it was daylight the rest of the room was pitch black dark the light in the tunnel did not diffuse you know you couldn't see another thing i could see part of a piece of furniture i could see the wallpaper i could see a vacuum cleaner i could but nothing outside that and i just you know i didn't know what to do i just stared and i, I think it probably lasted about 10 seconds which seemed forever wow. and then it just blinked off and so i had a flashlight because uh, the lights do go off, you know, sometimes in the hall and stuff. So I had, I, I have a flashlight and I shine it around and there was, uh, there was, there was nothing there. So uh, I, I just debated my options. I debated my options about, you know, whether I should run, whether I should not, you know, where, but I had, I have, I really had a strong, strong, strong feeling of being watched. And it was, I could tell it was coming from like to the left of the door. I just knew it. I mean, I just knew that there was something watching me, but I, I didn't necessarily even feel like it was uh it had evil intent toward me, but it was just like watching me. I felt like whatever was there was watching this room, watching something under the the, the room. And 
And I don't know, but but I felt I was definitely being observed. So, I, you know, honestly, I just turned up my head. I didn't know what else to do. And so finally, I just kind of dozed off. And when I when I walked back up, it was still dark. And so I pulled the covers back a little bit. And there were these three buttons of, of light, you know, three buttons of red. And it was on an area like about the size of a deck of cards. On three corners, there was a red a button of light. And so this was in 2011. And we didn't have cameras or anything. And I what infrared was or anything but now you know when i see infrared buttons those red buttons that's what it looked like and i felt like i was being watched at the time you know through that and i started just staring at that because mainly i was trying to remember the experience so i could tell john <laughs> i was at least trying to do that but uh uh but then uh, when i was watching that uh, uh after a few seconds then i felt like i that, that what that it was there but now it was being observed like maybe whoever had no one paying attention but now they are and they're looking straight now, and then it went out and that was the most terrifying thing that, that's when i moved out i never spent another night there by myself until the, the second film when they asked me to and everybody was out there i never spent another night there by myself it was it, yeah that was the most frightening thing to me and it didn't even feel like a ghost it felt like something totally different i mean it, i didn't feel i didn't, it was nothing like the ghost presence nothing this was new and i i, I don't know what that was and that repeated and repeated i mean different light formations repeated so whew, yeah hmm. how about you john what have, what's the most exper uh, frightening experience that you've had there <clears throat> there's so many no but you know you know what with alice's house people always ask you you know do you get scared and it's one of those things where I always say yes, but you also respect what Alice's house can do. When you've been in there, and like you said, during the day, you know, things can happen. Like I've gone by one day with Alice there, and I grabbed a charger for my laptop, and we had something move off the wall. And, like, it's it's scary, but it's during the day, so it's not as bad. But when the, when the sun goes down, especially if you're in that space by yourself and you've experienced all the things that we have, you respect the space because you never know what can happen. Uh, something that was early on when we were, we just got cameras in the house. I went by one night late, probably 11 o'clock to change the cameras up. Somebody was supposed to meet me there. They bailed obviously. And, uh, I was changing some cameras in the living room and down the hallway, I heard a, just a loud whistle. And it, I mean, it was loud. I thought somebody was literally in the house in the back bedroom and I'm not a big guy. So I got, I had a big mag light. So I picked it up off the table and I walked down the hallway and I'm like, I'm just going to throw it at them. So I opened the door and obviously nobody's there but just i'm just confused because it was a whistle as a person in the back bedroom and i closed the door i was walking back up the uh, hallway and it whistled again and i got this on audio so we have it documented and uh let's just say i didn't finish changing the cameras i just left so it's one of those things i'm a paranormal investigator this is what we try to do but when you're alone your psyche can only take so much uh you know you're glad you had that experience you'll 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 put it in the vault and never forget it um and then there's another chance another time where it was me and two other male investigators it was just me and one person i brought a guy to the house which is neat bringing new people to alice's house because it's different personalities and i mm -hmm. feel like when we bring new people in the house the house kind of reacts differently sometimes mm -hmm. uh but but this guy was never been to a location he was going to seminary school very nice well-respected guy and he just wanted to have an experience but we brought him in the house one night it was me the male investigator and the, the gentleman going to seminary the house was like it's like it had 10 red bulls that's how i can explain it it was just there was banging there's walking around the i mean the house was just static this is one time in the entire time i've ever investigated alice's house where i genuinely felt scared to the point where we all three stood up, were shoulder to shoulder together, three semi-grown men at the time. And <laughs> by the front door, I think Alice, I hadn't told this story in a while, but by the front door, we all three heard what sounded like a female begging for help to get inside. Really? It was a murmur at the front door. God. We all three were petrified. We looked at each other. None of us would open the door. We finally opened it, but we were almost holding hands is how scared we were. And I'll never forget that. But again, that's what brings me to Alice's house. Her house is not usually like that. But there's times that you can go in the house and the, the energy is so static and it's just so charged where it's almost hard to be in there for a long time. And, you know, we do we do a really cool experiment 
whenever we have tours or like we have a, an event tomorrow night for Halloween, we have some people coming in from New York and all over to have a good time at the house and have an experience. You know, we, we let them outside. We'll bring one person in at a time, walk the house. If any space feels different, they'll write it on a card and give it to us. It's neat to see, we've probably done this for over a hundred people easily. Uh, but it's neat to see that 75% of the time people peg one or two spaces. And it's just neat to have that social experiment because some people are more sensitive and some people are not. But with her house, it's just such a unique space that there's just something that just pulls people in certain areas in that house. So, you know, it's interesting. Was one of those two spaces the uh, the doorway upstairs to the left when you first get into the house? If you're, if you're going upstairs, then the answer is yeah. 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 Mm. It, and it's it's a hard shift too because we we've had uh you know we've had a it's weird it sounds i always i feel like i sound crazy when i talk about it but it's just we we're in the house so much we're so invested we can see the shift and there's like a huge shift of energy i feel like up towards sure. that stairwell um so i just recently we've just had you know and again we're, we're actively investigating we put pieces of the puzzle together but like you said um you know th i think there's something very dramatic uh, that it's not happened yet. There's something that we have not figured out yet. There's a light bulb that's going to go off. Yeah. Um, but what, but we have to do our due diligence and, and maybe it takes, you know, another year, maybe it takes another five years, but you know, we're going to continue to get answers. And the cool thing is, and I'm just rambling, but the, the neat thing is to see Alice today versus when I first met her, because we do live in Mississippi. We are in the Bible belt. And, you know, you don't want to go tell everybody, my house is haunted. They're going to be like, yeah, she's kind of crazy. <laughs> but, you know, she's she's basically like a, a celebrity in, in the town over there now. So, But just, it's neat to see the growth. And, and everybody, um, even my son, who's three years old, their daycare, they want to come to the house. And it's it's neat to see how, how interested everybody is now that, that you have the documentaries, you see the stories. So it's neat to see everybody kind of just perk up and, even if they weren't into the paranormal before, they're they're interested in it now. Mm. Yeah, I, um, I I I'm, I agree with you. I, I think there's going to be a culmination some point. Um, I don't know if it's it'll be the original energies that are at the house, but I think something like you said, the light bulb is going to go off. Something's going to show itself, and uh, I just got that real distinct feeling. I felt that even from watching the shows. You know, I, I I have that feeling too. I really do, and I, I was delighted to hear you say that because I've not heard anybody else say that. But I feel like it, the recognition may come from somebody in some other field. You know, like physics, maybe string theory, uh, quantum physics, where they say that things like there are possible wormholes of, of different dimensions and stuff. And of course, it's not there yet. But I really feel like some discovery will be made that that probably won't necessarily be the you know what we think is ghost energy i, I mean I, I just feel that i don't know what or how but i like what you said because uh that resonates with me yeah yeah i uh marla in the chat asked uh, is the house near running water and i, I remember steve mentioning that as part of some of the investigation yeah, yeah. is it near running there's, water there's a creek behind the house oh is it yeah okay so sometimes it's running water sometimes it's dried up <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, I noticed that uh, Brad Cooney's in the chat tonight. Uh, he was probably going to come on the show, but uh, I guess something <laughs> came up. But he's one of the original investigators with John as well. I just want to mention that uh, he kind of got put in. He was kind of uh, put into the situation, like, from the very beginning. That was kind of his first case, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. He just walked in. He would heard a little news segment, and uh, uh -huh. he yeah, so <clears throat> he just was excited. He called, he asked me, you know, he called me over and got my, you know, number and he asked me if he could come over. And I said, well, yeah. And I said, now, you know, I mean, I'll just tell you these things happen. I, I can't say it's haunted or not haunted or anything. And we went in there and everything happened. You know, lights came on. Well, we had, you know, like just different things. We had a flashlight there and it, it came on, off, you know, on command all the time. And he said, real bright, real bright. And, and <clears throat> we had a, you know, some kind of green light wand. And I, and I, you know, somebody had it, I don't know who it was, but I didn't know anything about it. But all of a sudden it just started going, you know, just spreading out all this green light around it. And they said that was unusual. I didn't know, I didn't know what it was supposed to do, but, I, but just everything just happened. And so he was hooked and, and, you know, he just never looked back. 
We, we say he's we say he's spoiled. Is what <laughs> he's spoiled. He, <laughs> he got a good first case, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, but, I tell but, you, you know, the the fact that he did pick up on the the door opening and then seeing it in the chandelier bulb. Yeah. That was pretty interesting. Go um, yeah. I, it's good that he picked up on that. Really that was did. pretty good. That was pretty good evidence. And, really and, you know, this is a this is a good example. Sorry, else. This is a good example of of letting other people come into the house. Yeah. We've never been ever Alice or myself or anybody. We're never territorial. The more people we can bring into the house to experience it, to get answers, the better. So I think that you know, and this is just because I've experienced this through my years, and I'm sure y'all probably have too. But you get some investigators that get closed off. They don't want anybody else in the territory, and this is theirs, and oh, this is their yeah. case. And, you, you, you got to open your mind off and, and collaborate with everybody because we all have the same, you know, honestly, we all have the same skill set. We're all try, trying to get the same answers, but you never know what you can pick up. Like you said, you know, if we wouldn't have brought Brad in, then he wouldn't have catch captured that on the film. And Brad, mm -hmm. you know, he linked this to Steve. And, you know, without Brad, the house in between may have never existed. So it's one of those things where it takes a village to create what's been created. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's very diligent about watching those cameras. And that particular thing, it was a few days later, and he was still wondering about it. So he he went back, but he he looked at that house, you know, multiple times a day, and he takes pictures sometimes in the mornings and then in the evenings to see if anything's different, you know, uh, from morning to night. But uh, yeah, he's very diligent about watching the cameras. Uh, somebody did mention in the in the um, in the chat about possible portals. I know Jill mentioned it during the uh, presentation. Um, did she ever connect any portal activity at the location at all? She told us where she thought, uh, you know, where she thought one was, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. outside the, the door that the, the, the door in the last scene, you know, where the, she had the walking stick. She said that when she steps outside, she feels like she's in a different space. Mm. Let me ask you something now. I, I've been I've had some experience with portals before. Have at any point you ever heard like buzzing sounds like a uh, like a, a large swarm of bees? Have you ever thought, heard anything like that? Well, I tell you what. One time I was folding clothes on the couch and I heard whoosh, whoosh, and then it was two like like two bubble pops, mm -hmm. like big swishes and then bubble pop and I, and, and I mean I'm not. Yeah, that, that, but it's just totally my, you know, hair on my head stood up, everything. It did. I don't know, but I felt like that, I felt like that was from somewhere else. And then in the kitchen, you're not too far from there, I heard a, a voice one time, and it was a male voice, and it sounded, it said like, hello, but it sounded like it was coming through a tunnel, reverberating, you know, the sound mm -hmm. sounded like it came a long way. But <clears throat> those are the two things that made me think, uh, portal, I don't know. And then a <laughs> It could be. I mean, I have experienced it, and that seems to be the overriding factor when I've been involved or been near a portal or what I perceived as a portal is like a buzzing sound, like a bee sound. And I've had others tell me the same thing. Uh, I was just curious because I don't think I heard anybody mentioned it in the presentation. I was just, uh, I was just curious that that had come up. Yeah, we've, we've had people who said they thought there were portals there, but, you know, I, w I wouldn't know. I mean, right. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, Yeah, you probably were, got enough going on there. You know, well, any portals opening up. Yeah, well, uh, but I know uh, downstairs uh, in that little dark bedroom, uh, uh, there's a window and it's got green blinds on it, you know, just blinds. And I walked down the hall one day and there were balls of light all around the blinds just covered the whole window just balls of light balls of light balls of light. and i had never seen that before and i was it was daytime and i was in there by myself but i wasn't afraid uh and so i just went around and did all the things i was going to do and i walked back in there and it was still there and so i thought now you know there's nothing electric in here there's nothing that anything to reflect off of and i thought uh, i think i'll go outside and see if there's anything from outside shining in so i went outside and the same thing, there were those balls of light just darting all the way around the window, uh, just just fast. And then occasionally one would shoot off to the side and come back and shoot off to the other side. And uh, I, I don't know what that was. But I do know that my neighbor, Erin, she moved there when she was five. And she used to right. tell yeah, she told everybody that the house was haunted. And she said one of the first things that she saw was when she was little, she'd walk her dogs out in her backyard. And uh, they would look over at the house and start barking. And she'd look over there and she said she'd see blue balls outside that uh, window. 
of balls of light. And so um, I don't know if you <coughs> thing, but I don't know what it was, but but we both saw blue lights. <laughs> or she, you know, I think she said hers are more like whitish blue, but mine were blue. I think Erin is a, an important part of the show. I really do, because uh, she kind of corroborates a lot of what has gone on in the past. And the fact that she did go out there in the back with you all and you documented it, I mean, she was physically affected by it. She had to come in and then she'd run. I mean, she, she was kind of fascinated, but she'd run and get out of there. She didn't think it out, but I think I think she's got some abilities, but I think she hides from that, too. Right. Has there been any other activity in the house, like uh, dragging sounds, furniture being moved that didn't make the cut on the, uh, oh on the film? Look, we just recently, they, the, yeah, yeah, we've got, we've got film all over the place of that. <laughs> yeah. Did you at any uh, point in, in the investigation when any of this was going on, did you ever think that it could be an extraterrestrial or, or uh, interdimensional well, presence? I did because, you know, when that most terrifying experience of that tunnel of light, you know, my, all, all right. things ran through my head. I thought, is this a religious experience? Because I had read about people, you know, in prayer or something, but it's sure. my light. And I, I thought, but if it did, it's scary. And then I thought, was it a UFO? Because I had read about tunnels of light and people, you know, maybe disappearing. I thought about that. And then I thought, is it some sort of wormhole where something is coming in from uh, a total another dimension? Everything I could think of went mm -hmm. through my mind. But I definitely gave that some thought. Well, our first impression, I don't know. You know, um, it's been my experience and, and, and other investigators I've been involved with that you mentioned the blue orbs. That many times the blue orbs seem to be associated with non-terrestrial beings. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, 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 that's interesting you stated that because I don't think I heard any of that in, in the show itself. They but, didn't. Um, yeah, they didn't yeah. mention it. Because we didn't have it on tape, you know, they're they're real careful to not put stuff that we didn't have documented. And I understand that too. But yeah, 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 we've definitely. Oh yeah, and then uh, John, remember that just recently we had we were there with several people investigation, and the, the, there were these. It looked like blue flames just shot out from the floor, close to the body, close to the floor, and it was uh, it looked like electronic flames. It was back about two feet or about three feet. It was just electronic flames. And, and there were like seven or eight people there who saw that. So I got them all to write their name down and their number in case we ever need to contact them. But it, but it, the cameras didn't pick it up because it was too close to the floor. We didn't have the cameras like that. But that was one instance of blue light. And then that other pulsing light, I don't know if I haven't told you about that yet, but uh, there was a blue pulsing light upstairs and it was shooting beams out the light, you know, down through the stairs. When I came in up the stairs, I could see it up there. So I had experience with blue lights. Hmm. I'm interested to see what happens in the future with this investigation because, and I hope you do uh, go in further on with it. Uh, I, I, I kind of had, I told Vince, I was kind of hoping that maybe they will be further investigations and presentations as to what you guys are involved with there. Um, and hopefully you'll, something will come up that kind of gives us a better indication of what's going on. Well, I hope so. Uh, talk to Kendall and Steve about that. <laughs> Tell me y'all like would like that. I would too. I mean, I'd like to find. I'd I'd like to just explore until you know something else important. Is well, yeah, and it, it was neat to have you know, again, Kendall, Vera, Steve, just their brains worked really well with everything they did with the first film. But <clears throat> the second film, bringing in Dustin Parry, which is well well respected in the field and then elizabeth mm -hmm. saint which is a genius mm -hmm. you know she's an electrical engineer and creates stuff but she's great. just to have yeah. them oh she's awesome but just yeah. you know if you watch the second film the the stuff they did in the crawl space with the with the playing cards and you know these are outside Amazing. people and again you cannot make things happen but it's like every time that something really important occurs the house helps us you know, like with Steve, you know, he has a phobia of flying, so Steve does not fly anywhere. And he lives way away from Mississippi. So mm. the first time he came down, he walked in the house. And Alice, what did he say when he walked in the house? He said, uh, I'm Steve Gonzalez. I, I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I'm, I'm here to try to find a natural explanation for anything that happens that you think is abnormal. The chandelier turned off. The chandelier turned off. <laughs> 
And then and he said, and so, you know, he, Eric, you can see him thinking. And so he said, why do you think it did that? And I looked at John and and he said, because he's skeptic, you know, but it wanted to show him, you know. And so I said that, you know, and then he went to the stairs because he had seen the film of the balls dropping for no reason. And, and it's, it's hard to move a ball on stairs. It really is, you know, that carpet too. It was heavy. But anyway, so he was thinking about that. He literally, literally got up and he said, I'm going to start this again. And he got up and he went outside and he came back in and he said exactly the same thing. He said, I'm Steve Gonzalez, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but but anything that I find here, I'm going to try to find a natural explanation for. The light turned off again. The chandelier turned off again. So he, he checked everything. He checked the rotator switch. He went and checked the brake box. And then he was gone. I, you know, he, he lived in Massachusetts about three days. I don't think it was much longer than that when he called back, and he said, I'd like to come back. And we said, yes, we'd like you to come back. <laughs> it's it's one of those things when Steve can't find a rational answer, and you see it in the end of the house in between the first film, oh, when the yeah. door closes, yeah. you can see like he's staring at the monitor. His little it's like the little mouse on the wheel is turning. So like when he could when he couldn't figure it out, but I mean it's 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 just it's a blessing and it's it's amazing. But again, it's like I feel like whatever is conscious and intelligent there understands because we verbalized it before it came don't I mean, we're going to tell you that we did we talk in the house like we're talking to your children upstairs we're letting the house the spirits know hey this is important we have this going on we're trying to help tell your story mm -hmm. what can we do to help you and we verbalize it all the time and then when it happens we get you know we get the help that we need so you know when when, when you're doing a documentary um you know, you don't have a long time to do this. This is very short, very concise. So for for what happened in the first film, you know, Kendall Welton is a genius and his wife is amazing as well. But and Kendall was a cameraman on Ghost Hunters for years and years. So Kendall's mm -hmm. been to over 500 locations, I believe, maybe more than that. But it was just neat. It's like the house is like just kind of like smirking because Kendall's never had happened like he had on the first film when he was walking when they were packing stuff up the ball came down that was right amazing. in front of his it face really and again it, it's a it's a coincidence until it's not that yeah, happened right, right in Absolutely. front of his face yeah i mean inches away from him you can see him hopping and skipping like he was like a little top you know he was a child <laughs> again yeah so just you know those things like they happen over and over again so there's something special here and like you said we just got to keep digging and and be patient and figure it out you know I, I think the most satisfying thing about working with skeptics is when you do have that rare opportunity they have an experience and then the light yeah. bulb goes off with them I and they, then they start questioning their own their own you know their own thoughts about you know what this actually is i've had that happen so many times i mean i it, it's interesting but uh in on cases where somebody will be there, they're going to be naysaying everything. Then something happens to them, and mm -hmm. you know, yeah. That and that's when I became an investigator. Smoke and mirrors was my my team name that I came up with, and I do marketing as a day job. So uh, this is back in two thousand eight. I knew that you know the stuff that I had seen is like what my goal was. I knew this was real. I had experiences myself, so I wanted to be able to document clean, clear evidence. You know, keep it 15 to 30 seconds, whether it's audio, whether it's video, put it out and just so they could see somebody not on TV and just kind of experience, click, look, that's cool and move on. Because this was important to me. It's really special to me. And I wanted to be able to touch more people to see what we actually do. Um, and I think that's important. And, you know, that's kind of a double-edged sword with obviously some of the shows on TV are dramatic and this, that, and the other. Yeah. However, however they they've also done a favor to us because they brought it into pop culture it really made it more uh, acceptable and, and reached out to more people to kind of see what we do. So it's a, again, it's a double-edged sword. It's a blessing and a curse at the same time. So uh, Alice and John, why don't you tell us um, any final thoughts you have on this, what you expect in the future, what you plan on doing uh, with the location and uh, you know, anything else you want to tell us? You know, I don't have any, I, I don't have any uh, concrete, you know, plans, but it's basically what you said. I want something, uh, I want it open so that some explorations can be made. And I'm, mm -hmm. thinking, I'm thinking that it may be more along scientific lines, you know, 
But I mean, it's been a while. But you know, like, you know, love reading like string theory, things like that, because it says theoretically all those things that we've experienced are possible. Well, we know they're possible because we've seen them, but they're, but that means they're probably at some point in the future will be an explanation. And uh, I just feel like uh, I felt drawn to that, um, that idea. How about it, John? What do you think? Well, you know, this has taken quite a long time to kind of right. document all the things that we have, but um, there is an answer, a definitive answer uh, to kind of help us uncover who is attached to the property. You know, because mm -hmm. I do think there's a root cause to what's happening here. And with the second film, you know, we we're blessed to be able to get the excavator and dig and you know, but the thing with that is the reality of it is, you know, we had a, a certain amount of time to do that. And even though we were digging a hole right here, three inches to the left could have been our answer. So it just takes exactly. time. Yeah. So it just takes time to do that. So I think just being methodical. I mean, hell, I mean, we've, we've been doing this for over a decade. So I'm fine doing this and continuing the journey because, you know, the, I, one of my favorite things, like you said, we, we've had tours at the house for years and to, to see somebody's first paranormal experience to genuinely see like their eyes just kind of glaze over to try to like rationalize what they've experienced. It's neat to see that. So, um, to, to continue, you know, continue to capture the EVPs, the voices and find the root cause, you know, there's a full body apparition. That's what's going to happen. I'm just going to say it. There we go. It's, well, it's going to be, that's what we you want, right? <laughs> there we go. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be Lily and Eric, Alice, Lily and Eric are going to come down the stairs. They're going to wave. And uh, yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to tap. We're going to tap into it. Well, Alice, I do want to make one more comment before we go. I think Ashley has a lot to do with what's going to happen in the future. Oh, that's so interesting. I'd really love to talk to you just sometime about all that. I really would. Oh, I'm you know anytime if you want to contact me anytime. Yep. That's it. So, okay. Well, the 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 films are the house in between part one and two. I think you can get them free on Tubi and Pluto. That's where I got it at. Uh, I think they're on my Facebook can... right now too. If you guys go oh, on my okay. Facebook, you'll see them. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I suggest anybody, everybody watch it. It's very interesting. It's a lot there to unpack, uh, but I think there's a lot more that can can happen and be part of a maybe third part of it. And uh, yeah, you know. Uh, Alice, John, please keep in contact with me. I, I would really like to know what happens in the future. If anything comes up, you need, maybe you want to talk about something. I'm, I'm always available. Well, that's nice. And I'm, I stay in touch with Vincent online with friends. So, <laughs> and so yeah, okay. yeah, you can contact me anytime you want to for me. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, you, you'll have a great weekend, and uh, I'll talk to you soon, hopefully. Okay. All right. You. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you all. Thank you all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you guys so much. You did a great job with your presentation uh -huh. at those documentaries. I would like to say that you guys want to see this. This is two really good documentaries. This is a scientific approach to it. They don't think it's demons or anything like that. This is the real deal. But thank you guys so much for coming out tonight. Yeah, so so watch, watch go watch Halloween uh, ends, get disappointed, and then come watch the house in between one and two. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you all take care. Thank you. Thank so you. Nice night. Mm -hmm. Bye. Now, uh, if you have a sighting or encounter report that you'd like to be considered for the personal report show or post on Fams and Monsters, feel free to contact me at my email at lawnstrickerfamsandmonsters.com. Uh, I want to again thank our guests, Alice Jackson and John Bullard, for joining me this evening. Um, and, and thanks to each of all of you for watching and chatting and, and you know, presenting questions. Uh, you know, please like and subscribe and share. And also, please leave comments. Uh, so next Wednesday, we've got, a, we've got a special Wednesday show coming up next week at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Pennsylvania UFO and Anomalies Investigator Stan Gordon will be joining me. So that's next Wednesday. Then next Friday, I will be joined by Matt Hyrak, uh, Timothy Renner, and Chad Renning from uh, Phantoms and Monsters 14 Research Team. And we will be discussing the French Creek Dogman incident. 
that occurred this past spring in Berks County, Pennsylvania. Uh, Matt Hyrak was the uh, was the witness. He and his daughter. Uh, this should be an interesting interesting show. So make sure you join us for that. So then, until next week, stay healthy and have a safe, enjoyable weekend. Good night.